Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. With me here today is Mr. Curtis Haynes, one of the multifamily mentors for Lifestyles Unlimited. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Hey, Dale. Always happy to be here. You know, i got a couple things I want to discuss with you today, Curtis. One of them is I'd like to come at this family office thing you talk about all the time. This is really your derivation. It's not one of my terms. You brought it up and have been um, going out there and spreading the word about it. question that comes to me is, I guess, really, we got to do two things here today. Otherwise, I understand what it is. We need to let people know what it is. And then I want to talk about where does it start? When do you start thinking about the family office concept as opposed to, hey, I just need to buy a piece of real estate and start making some money? So why don't you share with everybody what the family office concept is, first of all? Sure, Dell. Yeah, that's something I'm very passionate about and uh, lo- lo- always always try to share that story, uh, the concept with folks. Let me share what it is first and then, and then when you should implement it. Um, so the basic idea is, you know, starts with the concept of return on your net worth. And that was a concept that you teach in the two-day that really drives the point home how we just don't have a lot of passive income, um, but we pretty much we work the income that we get, we work hard for W-2, and the concept of return on net worth kind of gives us a glimpse into, okay, wait a second now, instead of me working hard for my assets, let's have my assets work hard for me. And so when I met with a very high net worth family member, uh, sorry, friend of the family, um, in his office, that was when the concept family office really struck home with me. And basically everybody in his office was there to work, uh, to have that particular family's assets work hard for the family. And the idea of having a CFO, CEO, an entire business that's dedicated solely to enhance, improve a specific family's uh, assets just blew my mind away because Really, we were kind of thinking about return on net worth from an individual concept, never thought of it as a business concept. And so from that point on, I just really dived into it and thinking to myself, okay, let's treat what we're doing as a business. We have a real estate business, but let's treat our family office, that's the coin, the, the specific uh, terminology used in the financial services industry, let's treat what we're doing in real estate uh, at a higher level and treat it as a business. And so the sole function and purpose as the CEO of the family office is really, bottom line, is to get your assets to work. And that's the sole, the sole function of the CEO of your family office. And, of course, we can't go and hire a whole bunch of people to do that. So we basically, I tell the folks that I meet with uh, within Lifestyles and my mentoring role is, uh, is uh, you know, if, if it's a couple, I say one of you look at each other and claim, okay, you, you're going to be the CEO of your family office. And if it's an individual and say, okay, now you're going to wear your hat. And you're going to be the CEO of the family office. And the idea from there, Adele, is to have folks make business decisions instead of making personal decisions. Because we've grown up all our lives being taught all these different things. And you give us some really good insight in some of those uh, concepts that we need to kind of change our way of thinking. 
And a lot of times that's a very personal decision, like taking on more debt or a personal decision like selling uh, land that's been in the family for generations. And if we have them look at it from the family office concept as a CEO of the business, then maybe it, it'll help them kind of break through those years and years and years of, of um, wrongful thinking, I guess, and have them maybe think in the right way to get their assets to work. Now, this leads me all kinds of places, Curtis. So if I kind of meander around, I apologize. But the first one that comes to my mind is, in my mind, from the very reason that you just stated, that the ideas from the past are not generally the right ideas for the future. And so when you first state family office, I'm wondering how many generations belong to a family office? Are you talking about just my wife and myself and my kids until my kids get older? Excuse me, are you talking about um, multi-generations being a part of the family office? And then after you answer that question, what about the multi-generations back that were wrong, that owned that piece of land that was worthless, that paid their home off in full, which made them no money, which invested in the stock market for 30 years? How do you, you know, how big is this family office? How many generations? And what do you do with the naysayers in the family that just won't listen? This is the concept just in itself for me 10 years ago to not even be able to even grasp, like family office and return on net worth and, and getting my assets to work and all the stuff about getting you know, that we're talking about today is just it's a very high-level conversation. And so for a lot of folks, it just, it's just going to blow by them and they're not going to give it a lot of thought. And so I always like to take it down to the individual level and say, look, what you teach and what the main purpose of, of real estate is, is to give us options and give us freedom to do what we really want to do. Sometimes that is to continue to work. Sometimes that is to have spend more time with family. Um, but it's to give us options. And so our focus has to be, in my opinion, just focusing on getting our assets to work within the family office. Now, what we're talking about specifically as a family office in the financial services industry, this is multi-generational kind of wealth. This is wealth that, that has been around for uh, uh, centuries um, that has built up. And you can think of some of the very famous kind of uh, names out there that have built up generational wealth over the years, over the centuries, to where they have a true single family office. Um, and over, over time, this concept of family office has grown to where it brings in not necessarily the Rockefellers of the world, but it'll bring in some of uh, uh, family members that are not quite that kind of wealth. And what they'll refer to as a multi-family office, where they have several families that are coming under the umbrella of this one business operation. And so, you know, we can take that a step further and say, look, really what we're talking about is the average Joe, um, you know, with my parents, they worked their tail off cutting hair, I don't know how they were able to, to afford getting three kids through college, and we've never had this kind of conversation before. And so it's more like I'm thinking as far as my next generation, like building up enough assets, building up enough income-producing assets uh, that we can actually start thinking more of a higher level. And I want members who join Lifestyles to be thinking about their next generation, because Quite honestly, most of the folks that join Lifestyles, although we have a lot of different varying levels, uh, some with a lot of money and some with what I would refer to as just the, the right amount of money, um, most of the folks that join are not second and third generation 
uh, wealth families. So I just want them to start thinking about themselves and their future generations, whether it be their kids and their kids' kids, right? So, so that's ultimately where I want them to be at. And as CEO, they don't need the buy-in for um, their kids just yet. I think, I think that's going to come over time with that dinner-level uh, conversations. Uh, I always kid around that um, the kind of conversations that happen in a, in a quote-unquote uh, wealthier type of family, they're talking about investing, buying, buying businesses, buying apartments, and it's just as a normal conversation that they have within their family, whereas most folks like myself, we've never had that kind of conversation before. It's like, hey, we're going to go get go to school, we're going to get a, get a job, and we're going to work our way through through the corporate ladder, and someday uh, retire. And that's the kind of conversation that most of us have. So I just want to lay the, the framework and the foundation for folks to start having these conversations for their next generation. Me here today is Curtis Haynes, and Curtis is. Uh sharing with us his uh, basic mantra of the family office. And uh, next question, Curtis, would be, how do you start this process? Where do you begin to get your arms around the fact that your money is not maximized in its return? How do, how do you work with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Dale. Um And I always refer to, like, let's, let's really start with what you, what you have. Let's look at your starting point. And the best document that um, that we recommend that you start with is your personal financial statement, in which you just simply uh, list out all of your assets and all of your liabilities. And, of course, the, when you subtract the two out, you get your net worth. And so as they start listing their assets, um, what we do from there, so ultimately number one is find out what you have to start with. Number two is start identifying what I refer to, what you refer to as the debt equity um, on our balance sheet. And these are things that are, are not producing uh, any income. And the majority of us, including myself, when I first listed out my personal financial statement on the list of assets, all my assets were non-producing assets, right? So, so number one is list out your assets, get a good starting point. Number two is, all right, where's my debt equity? Um, uh, and a common, common debt equity is our home. So we'll have we'll have a home. We've been taught to uh, not have any debt, pay off your, pay off your mortgage, and we work for many many years trying to do that. We finally do it. We feel good. We go to your class and we realize uh, we shouldn't have paid off our loan, and you explain why, which is awesome. Um, so one of the things that we recommend is to leverage some of this quote unquote debt equity so that you can actually now invest into income producing assets. So. Um, the more debt equity that you can find, the more you can convert to cash, the more you can get your assets starting to work. So once you've done that, then in the world of multifamily, uh, which is lifestyle is all about, multifamily, single family, it's just now trying to find a place to work, right? Getting that at, getting that money deployed and so that you can have income-producing assets. And so uh, step three is just starting to p- deploy it. And and what I try to remind people to do is is make sure that when you're deploying your your cash into an income-producing asset to make sure it matches your your goal on what you're trying to accomplish. And one of the phrases that really didn't sink in with me until maybe like five years into it is your phrase about you can't get rich uh, uh, slow. And that concept in itself made me realize how if I were to really pay attention 
to some of my assets that I have on my balance sheet that I finally converted to income-producing assets, I realized that I held on to them too long. You know, so once you get income-producing assets, the, the other strategy is, all right, now you got to start tracking your return on equity. And if you can cycle through that return on equity and, and redeploy into new investments, that's the part that that phrase really struck home with me, is you can't get rich slow, so don't buy something and sit on it for 5, 10, 15 years. Keep an eye on it, and once it hits to a certain level of uh, low return on equity, redeploy and that's what we do with an exit, whether we re- refinance or sell. And so that probably has been the most eye-opening thing for me down over the last three to four years that I just I just wish I could really have people see is the snowball effect of redeploying your assets and redeploying your assets and redeploying uh, how, how much that compounds um, on the income and on your net worth and your growth. And it's just been... I don't know. It's just it's been unbelievable. I feel feel so lucky and blessed to to be able to be in that position to see so many different assets now having passive streams of income coming in. And my my job is just to redeploy, just to keep on redeploying those into more income producing assets. And that snowball effect makes it where I can see it now being a full time job to be a CEO of your family office is because you're constantly looking at deals. You're constantly looking at opportunities ahead of time so that when you start having cash build up, you can get it re- redeployed. And the better you are at that, the, that's that coin the phrase, you can't get rich slow, the faster you'll get, you'll, you'll be able to accumulate real wealth. You know, uh, deploying capitals seems like the easiest thing in the world. Everybody goes, my problem is I don't have any money. If I had money, I could make money. And that's really not what we find. Most of the people that come in, we find they do have access to capital somewhere. They just don't want to pull it out. They don't want to use it. They don't want to deploy it. Uh, then when they start trying to deploy it for the first time, they find it difficult to deploy it because they've, trying to think of a term you use for this, they've built in a security blanket of scarcity. They believe that, you know, if I stick it out there, I may lose it, so I don't want to stick it out there. And it becomes very difficult for them to make that first investment and so on and so forth. And that really is the first challenge for people to make that first one. We find after they had the first or second one, then it's like, it's all like running downhill at that point. It's really easy. But then you run into this second level where you see people really just change their whole point of view. And I want you to explain that where you're at the point where you're playing with house money. Explain the house money concept, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. So I started with we'll just say a dollar when I first joined Lifestyles. And over the over the last nine years, I've been involved in 47-plus transactions. I've sold off five apartment complexes. And so I currently have about 42. I have ownership in 42 apartments that are generating uh, uh, streams of income for me. And um, I look at my balance, I look at my bank statement uh, today, and I have five times the amount of cash that I have in my bank account than I did when I first started Lifestyle. So for me to have fast forward through nine years, to start with $1, have 42 apartment complexes, and have $5 in my bank account, uh, tells me that I'm basically playing with house money. And I don't know when that actually happened, if it was three years ago or four years ago, but you know, a lot of folks in the back of their mind say, well, you know, if I started back in 2009, uh, I, you know, it'd be easy. And, and first and foremost, I promise you, it wasn't easy to start back in 2009, as many people 
that, that experienced the, uh, the collapse in 08. Um, but really, uh, the, the point I want to make, Dale, is the, the actual compounding, the snowballing that I'm talking about, that I'm just so excited about, really didn't start to really uh, take place within the last maybe four years, three to four years. Because that's when I really just focused on on redeploying. Because it's so easy to just do what you do and, and enjoy what you do and, and not really focus on the, the family office concept. So that is when I just, I don't know, I, every... I tell my wife, uh, we talk about our, our finances, we talk about where we are, and I tell her, look, we are cash poor. We are cash poor as a family because every dime that comes in, we just redeploy. We live way below our means. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to do that, but I, I think some of the challenges, Dell, with a lot of folks folks coming in is they're used to a certain lifestyle, and if they can just get rid of some of those expensive toys that they don't really need today and, and have that dedication to redeploy into income-producing assets, then they can start to enjoy the, the finer things of life down the road once that snowball effect uh, comes to play. You can email your questions to askdell at luinc.com. That's askdell at luinc.com. If you've got a question for Curtis, I will get you in during the break. We'll be right back with Curtis Haynes and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life changing principles in just a few minutes. We went from 100% live to 100% virtual. And you know, the funny thing is, is that nobody wants to go back to work now that work from home, right? So now my members are like, well, Dell, we want to keep those virtual things open because now I know all the people in Miami and I know all the people in Chicago. I know all the people now know each other from all over the country because of these virtual events. The free workshop, How to Retire in Five Years or Less, is online. Go to lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Curtis Haynes, one of the multifamily mentors for Lifestyles Unlimited. And Curtis, uh, whether you realize it or not, has about 9,000 units. Uh, he's been doing this for about nine years. He's done 46 different acquisitions, 15 different cash outs, just tremendous volume. And all told, he's done 10,147 units. But he sold five of his properties off and has redeployed that income in other properties. Along with uh, the 15 cash outs, he continues to redeploy. Curtis, you know, when I first developed Lifestyles Unlimited, I was really upset about and hated all the stupid concepts that they threw around out there by financial planners that didn't know what they were talking about. Concepts such as diversification, which we call diversification, and a concept called dollar cost averaging which is you can buy when it's up and buy when it's down. Now, 27, 30 years later, I'm doing the same thing with real estate, not knowing it. Can you share with us how diversification uh, across your portfolio and dollar cost averaging, the ability to continue to buy whenever the, wherever the market's at, uh, has helped your portfolio be stronger instead of weaker in most situations? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if I'm sitting down with a financial planner, um, and they were to allocate out my investments, so he probably would not say I'm, I'm, I'm fully diversified because 99% of, of my family's net worth is tied into one specific asset class, which is apartments. Uh, so I'm probably not the best person to, 
talk about diversifying. Uh, I'm just all in in something I really, really believe in. But when you start drilling down to the details of what I'm investing in, I'm not investing all my money, and I think this is to your point, I'm not investing all my money into one uh, apartment complex. I'm spreading it out over many apartment complexes uh, in different locations and different asset class, different uh, uh, ages and different uh, classes. And so I think that part of within the apartment uh, business itself, I'm diversifying quite a bit. Um, and then as, as I've been buying over time, starting off back in, in 2009, I think I think I was in that 40,000 uh, a door range um, on the first couple. And um, man, I think I probably paid as high as 85 a door on the most recent one. So uh, I've through the years have, I you'd technically say I've dollar cost average on my uh, buying of apartments per door. Um, but I just really think that the, the, the way you teach us how to buy properties, and you know, one of the things that you always say is you, you, we make our money when we close, the day that we close. We don't speculate. And I think that's probably, we mentioned earlier, the first thing that the fear that people have is they still think of this idea of apartments as the same thing as investing in stock. Um, and it's speculating. And if you do it right, and if you have enough people that have uh, done this roadmap for you, and they provide you with all the ins and outs of what to do, what not to do, what worked, what didn't work, if you do it right, I just, in my mind, whether I'm going to be, at the end of the day, right or wrong, in my mind, if if I follow that roadmap and I buy a quality asset and a quality location, I feel like it's 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 a a no lose situation. You know, if I if I do my underwriting correctly, when I close, I've made money. And so I'm just very comfortable with with going and buying many many apartment complexes. Now that being said, Dell, um, it. I won't diversify in other locations that I am not familiar with. And so probably one of the, the, the things that I, I really try to stay true to is, is the location, location, location part. And if I don't know the submarket uh, very well um, and I can have easy access to research, I may be willing to take a little bit of a chance. But for the most part, I really try to stay with the high quality location. And so I'll diversify in a lot of different locations, but they all are still within a, I don't know, within a, maybe a top 20% um, in terms of the better places to, to live and work. So Curtis, how do you keep making money as the prices keep going up? And this is a rhetorical question because <laughs> I've been doing it for 30 years, but how do you do that? I mean, it, how, someone sitting out there right now goes, well, isn't the market high now? Isn't it time to stop buying, maybe sell everything? And, you know, how, how do you keep going? Man, I'm glad you're, you're bringing that up because I, I think that, you know, a lot of folks are hearing a lot of noise. And depending on what you're tuning into, you may think the sky is falling. You may think that we're at the end of our our boom time and we're about to go through a, a recession. And, and that's something that I just tell folks, you know, look, just stop listening to all this negative noise out there and focus on, on buying real estate because you don't have to time the market. Unlike the stock market, 
where you do have the time and you do have to be concerned about all these both political and, and national and local events that could potentially cause the, the stock to drop in half in, in the world of real estate, you don't. So we're buying properties at any given point in time in the real estate cycle. We know how to underwrite it. We know where we are in the real estate cycle. We know how to uh, 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 perform the numbers so that we're not losing money when we close. And so uh, for the listeners out there, as we, we make money, whether it's in a down market or an up market, the thing that gets me super excited about 2018, 19, and 20, and I'm, I'm guessing, I just had a conversation with another uh, investor, uh, a lead investor, uh, just the other day. He's predicting Q3 is when the market's really going to turn around for Houston. But I'm thinking, man, this is going to be an incredible two- to three-year ride. And it reminds me, Dell, of back in 2009, when you, in my opinion, were like a kid in a candy store telling and screaming at everybody, you need to buy, you need to buy, you need to buy, at a time when 99% of the folks out there were so scared, so fearful that they did not buy and that they did not listen to you. I was very fortunate to be one of the few that, that did listen to you because you're the one that got me uh, kick-started and kicked my butt to get buying and stop making excuses. My point in being bringing that up is it kind of reminds me of today. There's so many people out there just the opposite saying, don't buy, be be afraid, be scared. And I'm looking at it like, I kind of want to mimic you. I just want to start screaming at the top of my lungs. And then, guys, now's the time to buy. Now's the time to, we're about to get into another two or three year cycle. But beyond that conversation, even if I'm wrong and we're going to correct next year, everything that I'm buying will still make money next year whether there's a correction or not. So let's recap the answers to the two questions I gave you. The first one was, what about the fact of diversification? And you're saying, I'm not diversified. But in, in essence, you really are because you're diversified, you know, maybe not as much as you believe by location. You, you go for the quality locations, but you're in more than one location. You're diversified around the city from places that are all Class A places. Secondly, you're diversified by class of property. You're not all in class A's and class B's and class C's. You're spread out. And number three, you're also diversified by operators. You didn't even bring that point up, that you're with many, many different operators where you've picked those people and diversified. You know, what if an operator dies and something happens? It's not going to blow the deal up completely. Somebody else will step in and fix it. But you diversified yourself because you get different qualities. Some people are very aggressive value players. Others are good yield play operators. So you have really diversified within those three areas of your real estate portfolio. The second part of the question is basically, how do you keep making money if the market keeps going up? Well, the reality is people don't get it is the market going up just makes the stuff we used to own more profitable. When the market stops going up, that doesn't make the stuff that we own less profitable. It doesn't make it worth less money because we're not trying to sell it. We're not out there flipping and wholesaling things. We're not timing things. We're not doing market timing. So it really doesn't matter. And every time we buy something, whether it's a little more expensive than when you started at 40000 a door, you know, and then 50000 and 60 and 70 and 80 now a door, I'm looking at stuff in 130000 a door. When you look at that stuff and you go, wow, man, this is just so much more expensive than whatever paid, you have to understand that's the way the world works. When I bought my first house, I bought it for 25000 bucks. 
I bought over a hundred houses until prices got to be about forty thousand dollars a door. And at forty thousand a door, Curtis, I said, "That's it. I'm out. That's too expensive. This is foolish. This is almost like government spending. I'm not going to do any more houses." And I started buying apartments at ten thousand a door. Now I look back and I go, forty thousand a door? Are you insane? The median's now three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Yet at forty thousand a door, I thought the market was peak, was over, was done. And I had to get out. That's where everybody's at, Curtis. They can't see that that $80,000 door you're buying is a steal when those doors all cost the 130000 that I'm paying for doors to get into stuff right now. With me here today is Curtis Ames, one of the multifamily mentors at Lifestyles Unlimited. The expo, it's grown exponentially year after year after year. It's just unbelievable. What were your takeaways on this? Yeah, definitely it wasn't. I thought this was probably the, the, the biggest uh, um expo that I've attended um, since joining Lifestyles. There were so many people, and I certainly just absolutely loved the uh, the speakers that you had lined up. Um, they were so different, to say the least. Marcus Mottrell, just his story and his background was just, uh, uh, you ever think you had a bad day, uh, just think about his story. It, it, makes, it makes you think, uh, you know, makes you really appreciate what you have and the gratitude that where you are. Um, you know, and, and then uh, Dave Hardy, I I thought his perspective on on motivation, which I know you're not big on, uh, on motivating people. I just thought his perspective of of fixing the the uh, what was it, the computer uh, operating system, fixing the operating system was was very very interesting. Um, and that's that's the non real estate side. You start going into don't have time, but we go into all the different uh, groups that we had, different classes we had on real estate uh, were just absolutely phenomenal. And of course, the big, big, uh, creme de la creme was the, uh, preferred investor, uh, meet and greet where we just had thousands and thousands of like-minded individuals, uh, networking with each other and, and really getting to know each other. And, and that, that to me is just probably, um, there's just nothing else like it. I had someone come up to me and make a statement that I thought was very interesting. And he said, you know, this is the first time I've ever been to any of these events. And I have to tell you, I was quite skeptical. And I went up and spoke to everybody that had on, you know, I found out that the, the dark blue lanyard meant that they were, you know, a member, preferred member. And so I just wanted to find out. So I, I spent, the guy said he spent the whole two days there between the bus tour and the other day just walking up to people and ask them, if you could just, you know, summarize this for me and tell me what you really think about this program, you know, what would you say? And it was really interesting. He said, you know, Dell, I can break down every answer into one of three answers. I said, really? He goes, yeah. Number one, lifestyles has changed my life. Utterly and completely changed my life for the better. It's unbelievable. Number two, lifestyles is changing my life. I'm seeing it happen right before my eyes. I know I'm going to get there. It's unbelievable. And number three, I haven't started to change yet, but I'm here because I know it's going to work because I've spoke to so many other people that said it already worked for them. Wow. <laughs> That's quite, quite a set of answers there, but it really does cross-section the people we have here. People are coming here because they believe. Why do you think people believe in lifestyle so much? You, know, you, have, you have thousands and thousands of success stories from folks from all walks of life. And there's so many uh, folks that you get a chance to meet with. 
and you see them, they're real people, you know, real, real people, real results, another phrase you coin, coin your phrase. And, and, and I just tell you, the more and more people that you meet and you hang out with, you realize, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. That relatability with everybody, uh, I think is a, is a huge factor in why that so many people who have just joined, why they believe, um, that it, it's going to happen to them as well. The last thing I want to cover is very difficult, and I don't really know how to tread this water, so I'm just going to stick my toe in. I don't think I'm going to jump fully in like I'd really like to. But, you know, Curtis, people come in all different walks of life. Some people come in, they're already successful like you. You had a business, you sold your business, you came with a healthy chunk of money to start with. Other people come in with just barely enough to get started. And yet, so many people end up wealthy and to the extent that some of these lead investors, the amount of money that they're making, some of these passive investors even, the amount of money they're making is just mind-boggling. You know, for someone to conceive out there that you could not get up and go to work and earn not 10000 a month, not 50000 a month, not even $100,000 a month, but tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. It's just hard for people to understand. How have you wrapped your your arms around the income side of it? Because you're so frugal and you don't expand your your cost of living. But I found that it got to the point where I was making so much money that I had to force myself to spend some on my friends, to give some of it away, to you know, buy some new stuff, always have new stuff, and not use old, worn-out stuff anymore. How do you overcome making all that money psychologically, Curtis? Yeah, so so my my focus for me personally is just redeploy. So I'm not really thinking about that I'm I'm there. I'm just redeploying. Like, I'm really focused on, I, I go and do a cash-out refinance. I have uh, X number of dollars. I go out and redeploy. I go out and do another... I'm about to sell one of my properties. Uh, it's going to be closing uh, end of this month. I got that money. I'm going to redeploy. So I'm really not thinking about that. And it's really hard when I'm talking to folks that are not within lifestyles to to, to be throwing out these kind of numbers that um, I got to be careful. Like when I'm hanging out with my wife's friends um, that are not in the lifestyles, I just have to temper down our numbers because I, what I don't want is our listeners to be like oh, I'll never be able to make a hundred thousand a month, or I'll never be able to make ten thousand a month in passive income. Uh, it just all starts with the very first step. Now that's where we really want to drive home for everybody is we've been taught one way of thinking all our life, and you have Dell have opened the, the door of, uh, of opportunity for us to really start looking at things in a whole different way. And if we can just get them to make one purchase, one single family rental and actually see that there's an asset that's out there working hard for them instead of them having to work hard for their W-2 income. Just that one concept in itself, I think then you can start duplicating that. You know, if I can do it once, I can do it 10 times. If I can do it 10 times, I can do it 100 times. If I can do it 100 times, I can do it 1,000 times. I appreciate you coming on. For all of you out there, remember, myself, Curtis, and everybody else here, we're not doing it for the money. We're doing it for the lifetime. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. 
The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.